Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, that was a long day of basketball, wasn't it? I don't know how much hoops you watch, but there were a lot of games out there. College basketball, well, for the tournaments, this is just a huge week, and there's so many, mostly quarterfinal games. Um, some first rounds for the tournaments to finish on Sunday, but mostly they finish on Saturday, so it's quarterfinals. And then there were 11 NBA games on top of it. Uh, 22 of the 30 NBA teams were playing. Jazz were one of the few that was off. Jazz will play the Rockets tonight, their first game back. The Rockets lost their 14th straight game to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, they lost 13 in a row before the break. They come back in Sacramento. They lose. P.J. Tucker uh, didn't want to play. He wants to be traded. He thinks the stuff's moving along too slowly, so he decided to sit out and try to inject a little urgency into the situation. So I expect P.J. Tucker won't play tonight. And Eric Gordon was helped off the court with a non-contact injury. What that means for tonight, my guess is he doesn't play, but you know we'll have to see. It's one of those deals where they... You know, probably got in at 2 or 3 in the morning because you're leaving the West Coast after a late game, and they're going to be shorthanded. They've lost 14 in a row. If the Jazz don't win this, I don't know what to tell you. This this sets up pretty nicely for the Jazz. There's no way around that. Uh, And then as far as the college basketball, uh, there were really depressing losses, exhilarating wins, dominant wins, um, encouraging yet demoralizing losses. Uh, everyone will have to put their own spin on it. Uh, the Utes took USC to double overtime. And the freshman Ian Martinez hit two huge free throws after his game-time dunk was wiped away. In the NBA, it could have been continuation of a three-point play. But they said the foul was on the floor before the dunk, so he didn't get his time dunk with two seconds left. So he had to hit two free throws, and a freshman showed no nerves. And he got up there and made the first and made the second and sent the thing to overtime. And in overtime, uh, Alfonso Plummer pulled the trigger on an outrageous three and tied the thing up probably about 30 seconds to go. And that got it to double overtime, at which point the youth had guys fouling out left and right. I lost track of how many guys fouled out, at least three. It was oh, it was crazy how many guys were out. Uh, so they end up losing the game 91-85. And, you know, USC is the better team, and they won the game. And, and they had no answer for, you know, the Trojans' superior talent. Um, Larry Kristoviak said after the game he wants everybody back, all the coaches, all the players. That seems unlikely. That's not how college basketball works. Um, you know, was Timmy Allen going to want to go pro and, and go go make real money, put his name in the NBA draft, and if that doesn't work, go to Europe. Uh, Plummer's a senior, but he does get the bonus year because the clock isn't running this year. And then you got half a dozen foreign guys, and I just think the risk is any given year they can decide, hey, I want to go play pro and be closer to home and make money and you know be around my friends and family. So, and then you just have the traditional transfers. So, you know, we'll have to see how this plays out. There's so many questions at this point, and there just isn't a lot of clarity. So we'll see what happens for the Utes. Uh, the depressing loss of the night was Weber State, who, along with Southern Utah and Eastern Washington, those three teams finished the regular season separated by half game. SUU played one less game, and so they had one less loss, and so they won the regular season. Uh, but any of them could have won the title, and now Weber State can't because they lost to Montana. Oops! Oops! Grizzlies beat them eighty to seventy-five. Grizzlies shoot sixty-one percent from the floor and like forty-two or forty-three percent from three. Survived their nineteen turnovers because they shot the ball so well, and Weber State had an advantage at the free throw line. But it's not enough, so Weber State's out in the quarters. That is really disappointing for a Wildcat team that looked like it was playing pretty well. SUU won their game; they're the top seed, so they are into the semifinals. They play at five o'clock today, and they will face Montana State in the uh, Big Sky semis. UVU starts 
in their tournament. They'll play their semifinal tonight against New Mexico State, who won as expected. So they'll meet at 9 o'clock tonight in their semifinal. And Utah State's into their semi, uh, tied at halftime with UNLV, but a run right before the half, like six straight points to end the half. Again, a terrible offensive start for Utah State. Just terrible. Uh, same thing we saw at Fresno State. And they're sitting on 18 points with a couple of minutes left in the half. But they go on the 6-0 run, they tie the game at 24, and then they come out and score like 15 points in four minutes. Just boom. And it was on. It's like, UNLV, are you going to keep up or are you going to get left behind? And the answer to that was, the Rebels are getting left behind. And Utah State just pulled away and completely dominated the game. And won, won easily and convincingly. Um, Kata took over and went for 19 and 13. He got off to a slow start again. He didn't score in the first 15 minutes of the game. He got a couple free throws late before halftime. So Utah State moves along. And we'll hear from Craig Smith after the win uh, coming up. So that is where the college hoops stands. Now, spring football, uh, the youth start on Monday, and we're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham Monday morning at 8 a.m. So that'll be good for us uh, and good for you because you'll get to hear those uh, live as he meets with the media. And... Uh, BYU met with the uh, media, and they had their uh, their Zoom interviews. And Fessy Sataki uh, is now the passing game coordinator. He's worked with the receivers. Before that, he was at Weber State. It seems like he's an up-and-comer. I mean, you never really know how a coaching career is going to go. They're wildly unpredictable. But, man, if you had to bet on, is Fessy going to be interviewed a lot more 10 years from now? I think the answer is yes. Um, so we'll see how this trends for him. But here he is with the media, Fessy Sataki, talking BYU football. You get a jump on on the hot seat. So you get the first, you get the question about how spring's going to this point to start off. Just talk about, you know, where the team's at right now. First off, this is a hot seat. Who is just sitting in here? Zo. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, spring is going great. Uh, competition on both sides of the ball. There's no one practice where a side just completely dominates um, from beginning to end, which is the sign of a well-rounded competitive team. And, um, I've been really pleased, you know, just with both sides and, but offensively speaking, um, we've been able to maintain pretty solid health. There's a lot of execution, you know, obviously there's holes and voids that we need to fill. And, and there's some young guys who have been stepping up and, and, and filling those, those holes. And so it's been, it's been, been really good to see you guys are having fun, a lot of energy out there. And that's really what you want around this time of year. I wanted to ask big picture as though this, and I want to get your thought as a coach as well. It's been a year, crazy year, probably the most insane year any of us could have pictured. So when you reflect, what do you think about? Just how lucky and, um, you know, we were to be able to have a season, um, to be able to be on a national scale when so many teams this side of the country weren't playing we were kind of that, that beacon of light for football and, and kept, kept hope out there that you can still, you can still have a season and, and, uh, get provide, you know, these boys, what they all are, you know, want to do, which is play football and provide fans who want to see them. It's just, it was really fun. Really blessed and grateful. It's one of these, those memories, those seasons that you'll never forget, not just because of the, the success and the turnout, but those circumstances, um, you know, that we, that we were playing under and just the way it was all able to turn out. So, so we'll forever be grateful for that. And still, still riding on a high from that. Go ahead, Mitch. Yeah, Fessy, uh, you guys recently just got some commitments out of the transfer portal. I don't know if you can speak officially yet. I don't think you guys have announced, but uh, I mean, when do you expect uh, any sort of official announcement? Yeah. Well, until things, you know, I, Kalani mentioned it the other day, um, you know, recruitment, we're always going to be recruiting. 
And it's obviously clear that there's, there's, you know, mutual interest out there, but yeah, until things are, are official, you know, we can't really speak, speak to, to, uh, in too much depth, um, on that. So it's, it's kind of the same message. Like we're recruiting guys, we can confirm recruitment and interest. Uh, but until, you know, certain papers and are signed and things are official, we can't really talk too much about it. Understood. Uh, with, with, uh, wanted to follow up, how's the chemistry been on the offensive staff with you and, and coach A-Rod being elevated, uh, into heightened roles? How, how do you feel this has gone with you, with your new role and, and coach A-Rod now leading the offense? It's been awesome. I, I feel it's been a seamless transition. Um, it's cool. We got a lot of, even though we lost a lot of experience, we, uh, the guys still know this offense very, very well collectively. And so it's allowed us as coaches to really focus on the nuances of each, you know, play that, you know, instead of creating new plays, we've been able to find creative ways to dress up, you know, what we're already good at, what we've proven to be good at, find different ways to, to cause mismatches, um, highlight certain personnel. Um, that's kind of the next jump you know, we feel we need to take. And, and I think that it's been really cohesive amongst all of us on the offensive staff and the players are latching onto it. And, and I like where we're at right now. Go ahead, uh, Jake and Jared. Yeah, Fessy, when we talked to Isaac last week, he mentioned two names of wide receivers that were standing out to him and Hobbs Nyberg and Cade Moore. If I'm not mistaken, both of them are walk-ons. Can you speak a little bit to what they're doing that apparently impressed Isaac and what your thoughts are on them? Yeah, I think the first thing when people comment and and say names of guys who are sticking out, the thing that sticks out is plays that are made. And and uh, some guys get more opportunities than others, but those guys have been making plays. When the ball comes their way, they're taking advantage of those opportunities. And though they might not be getting as much reps as you know as many reps as some of the guys in front of them, when they're on the field, they're taking advantage. Of, and I think that's why um, they're sticking out uh, to some of these guys. But they're both, you know you have so much respect for, um, you know, everyone on our team, but these guys who are, who are paying their own way and who just, you know, love, they're just proof that, that they love football and that their motive is because they enjoy playing football and they're not driven by the scholarship. And I think most of the guys on our team are, are great with that stuff. But the reality is, is when you're a walk on your backs against the wall and you're, you're just clawing. And those two are, are, are perfect examples. And I'll add in tell much Gunther in that as well of guys who are just consistently showing up every day and they bring the same attitude, the same energy, and they just go out and have fun and make plays. And I think a lot of that's resonating with a lot of the guys on the team. You obviously now have that passing game coordinator title. I wanted to get your read on the four quarterbacks who are dueling for this for to replace Zach. Yeah, re- really good competition. I mean, Coach Rod's uh, distributing those reps, um, you know, as evenly as he can. Um, you know, you obviously got <clears throat> true freshman and, and uh, Jacob, who's this first time he's really, really played football in this offense. He was able to play scout team last year, but he's doing a great job. Baylor and Jaron are two most uh, – experienced proven guys um i feel are just constantly getting better every day shaking everyone's got a little bit of rust you know including quarterbacks um and sol jay's done a great job as well and just the reps he's getting it's been a really fun competition to watch play out i'm excited to see just kind of as the last two weeks unfold who continues to succeed and emerge um and i know coach rod will will, uh, will do a great job managing uh, that room 
Cassie, I wanted to ask about how making determinations and as passing game coordinator, this kind of extends probably to the, to the, the quarterback spot as well as, you know, as far as your receivers and everything, you know, um, Kalani has said he wants the players to make it hard and that's what they're doing, which he likes when it comes down to splitting those hairs, how much do you look at analytics? How much of it is experience? How much, I mean, kind of, how do you, how does, how do those decisions get made when, when you have to make the tough calls? Sorry, can you, can you kind of uh, expound on that? I just want to make yeah. sure I answer this right. Yeah, just, just I'm just wondering what you look at when you're trying to decide who's going to get reps on gotcha. the field. You know, and you know, wide receivers, you get a few more guys than a quarterback, but yeah, yeah. you know, still trying to what what do you look at to to make those decisions about who's going to be getting reps when game time rolls around? Yeah, I got you. Okay, uh, there, there's a a couple things. The first one is. The reality, this is a production-oriented business. If you can produce um, when you're on the field and, and you can prove that you know where to align, you know what your assignment is, and you can execute it, and you can do that on a consistent basis, that more than anything is what's going to you know help us make that final decision. Well, then you factor in um, the physical skill set that these guys have, the ability. What, what do they have that maybe the next guy in line you know, doesn't have as much of, whether that be size, speed, strength, the um, you know, intellect, their ability to understand spatial awareness. I mean, there's a lot of different things, you know, by position. And so I think to me, that's kind of the orders just first, do these guys produce on a consistent basis? Second, what do they bring to the table that maybe someone else doesn't bring as much of? And then it's up to us as coaches to kind of insert those guys into, you know, those, those slots on the offense where, you know, we can capitalize on whatever that is. All right, let's finish up with Jay and Mitch. Yeah, Fessy, you, you touched on Soul J a little bit there. I just wondered, how's he coming along as far as the non-football elements of being a freshman at BYU? Great. You know, he's one of the uh, most liked guys on our team. Is a great personality, and I think that's something that just no matter who you are, what position you play, it keeps you going. It keeps you coming out fresh with purpose to practice. You don't get caught up in the rut of things. And I think that's, that's kind of where he fits. He's just, he's very comfortable here. Um, and that transitions into the football. I know you didn't ask about that specifically, but um, I just think it's a clear sign. Just the way the guys, you know, respond to him and, and are around him is, is he's in a really good place. And so I, he's, he's been a great asset to our team. Yeah. Fessy, uh, what, uh, what decision, if, if any, will you have or involvement will you have in the final uh, decision for quarterback, wh- whenever that may be, uh, wh- what involvement will you have with, with Roderick when it comes to that decision? It, you know, I don't, I don't know. It completely falls on him, but one thing he's always been great at since he's been here um, is including everyone and, and allowing us to voice our opinions and the reasons uh, why. Um, but, you know, he gets that ultimate call and uh, he's done as he's done with a lot of things. He's just been able to, ask, you know, ask me a question and pick my brain. It's just one of the humbling things about being here. I think these coaches, all of them are, are so inclusive and, and genuine and, and trying to get feedback. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons in the end why we're able to make what we think are the right decisions um, because we're factoring a lot more than just our own. So um, I don't know, you know, how he's going to use me, but I wouldn't be surprised if he asks me and every other offensive coach what our opinion is. And I know he'll, it will be uh, newly noted for, by him. Last thing for me, uh, what, do you guys have like a like a slogan or kind of thing you're, that's a motivational thing for this season? I know in the past there's been like iron sharpens iron or things along those lines. Do you have anything uh, as a team that you guys have chosen for the 2021 season? Not yet. Right now in spring, it's kind of just uh, 
you know, we're trying to answer, get a lot of questions answered and have fun and bring energy, but maybe going into the fall, A-Rod might have something or we might discuss it as no staff, but, but, uh, kind of like the RVO last year that Jeff Grimes implemented that I know he took to Baylor. Now we don't, we don't have anything like that. Um, but we might in the fall. There is Fessy Sataki talking BYU football. We're going to take a break. Going to come back. You're going to hear from Craig Smith after the Aggies get the convincing win over UNLV in Las Vegas. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, the Zone. Well, we are down to the semifinals now in the... Pac-12 tournament, in the Mountain West tournament, in the Big Sky tournament, in the WAC tournament. <laughs> Got a lot going on. Utes are out in the Pac-12 tournament after losing a double overtime. Gutsy performance against SC, but uh, too bad Evan Mobley. 26 points, 9 boards. He knocked him out. Weber State, wow, Montana, shoot, Montana shoots the ball really well and knocks Weber State out of the Big Sky quarterfinals, 80-75. to Um for UVU, they had a buy into the semis. They're playing New Mexico State tonight. New Mexico State won their quarterfinals expected, so they'll play at 9 o'clock tonight. And then there's the Utah State Aggies, who got off to another slow offensive start. But, again, great defense. Kept them in the game. And then the offense got started cranking up right before halftime and was lights out good in the second half. And they pull away and blow UNLV off the court. Just pull away and hide. Um, Dominant performance by them. Not not a great 15, 18 minutes to open the game offensively, but late in the half they got it rolling and then they were fine. Here's Craig Smith, the head coach, after the game. Let's go to the podium as Marco, Anthony, and Craig Smith addressing the media. You know, the, the meeting in the second half was about you know taking it up another notch, and we did that, and that led us to the win against a very talented team. Coach? Yeah, echo Marco's thoughts. You know, obviously a little bit of a slow start and kind of a root canal for both teams on the offensive end. I thought both teams defended really well, 24-24 at half. Um, I thought our guys did a great job of self-correcting and um, and really played connected in that second half. We cleaned up the offensive end. You know, the first half we had eight turnovers, second half two turnovers, and first half five assists, second half 13 assists. And so I thought we played with a lot more purpose and we just settled in. You know, you forget that, you know, UNLV played last night and, and it's obviously their home arena, different floor, but home arena. And um, sometimes, you know, they have a comfort level that way. And we got a lot of guys that have never played in this tournament. And I just thought we showed some, um, I don't know what the right word is, tentativeness or just didn't execute some things the way we normally do. And we really, really settled in that second half. And Marco had a a heck of a game in every facet. I mean, uh, and that's what he does, you know, uh, 15 points and 13 rebounds, six to those offensive and five assists and uh, he's such a dynamic player obviously was named to the first team all defensive team and I know he takes a lot of pride in that and I thought he did a heck of a job on the defensive end again tonight as our whole team did I thought it was a really balanced attack um, on both sides of the ball and so we're happy to win and survive in advance at this type of year at this time of year and uh, we're looking forward to playing another game tomorrow whether it's against Fresno State or Colorado State all right and we'll open it up for questions from Marco <clears throat> 
Yeah, Marco, this is Alex Fehar with the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, you know, as a team, uh, seems like lately you guys have kind of had interesting first, first halves and then been able to kind of turn it up um, in the second half, happening against Wyoming and happening against Fresno State and obviously tonight. Um, you know, are you guys at all maybe concerned about maybe the slower first halves right now? having to pick it up in the second half or is that something maybe you felt like you can rely on because you know you can um well of course it's a concern but i believe it's something that you know it's not set in stone it's something that we could fix and it's just a matter of time before we do that anything else for marco hey marco can you just talk about the rebounding tonight you really this is Sean from the Herald Journal, sorry. You really crashed the board tonight. It seemed like you and Nimi were in a contest out there. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I had to redeem myself after I missed the dunk and tried to, you know, catch it and throw it back down. So I kind yeah. of forgot about that, Marco. Yeah, that was yeah, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> that was bad. Uh coincidentally that was Marco Anthony's first technical foul of his entire career. Yep. Uh, Marco, can you hear me? Al Lewis, KBNU. Can I ask you a question about uh, the save you made at the one end and flipped it back? That was one of the most unbelievable plays of the year, and you blocked the shot, then went and saved it. Can you replay that in your mind and what you did on that play? Um, you know, three was really getting loose a little bit, and, um, you know, a shooter like him, uh, that's one that likes to stop and pop it in transition, and he tried to do that. And, you know, a big thing we preach here is Gata. Um, and so, yeah, that was just a, a gate to play. Marco, this is Jeff Hunter from the Desert News. Can you just talk a little bit about the start of that second half? You had those two threes and a layup and that great pass to Bean down on the baseline. Yeah, we just had to we just had to get things going. And, you know, um, when we play connected, that's when we play at our best. And I really felt like, you know, the second half, we started to really do that. And it showed on the scoreboard. Marco, Alex, again, um, what was the message to Brock Miller at halftime? He struggled. Um, he was 0 for 4 in the first half, and then he kind of came out, made a couple big threes. You know, it's just, you know, he's such a great shooter. It's just keep shooting because if he stops, if he starts thinking about it, then, you know, that's going to that's gonna hurt us a little bit. So, you know, he puts the work in, and, and you know, so he deserves that, that he could just keep shooting and we believe in him, we trust in him. We're never going to look him off and, you know, go the other way because, you know, he's a guy that could really hit shots and he's proven that and he proved that in the second half. Last question for Marco, if someone has one. Hey, Marco, this is Sean from the Herald Journal. How, how big was it or what did it mean to you to be named defensive on the all-defensive team? What does that mean to you? Oh, it meant a lot, you know, especially being the only guard um, on that list. That just really, you know, showed that what I do on a game-to-game basis, it's it's really um, gathering attention. And, you know, it's, it's very, very humbling. And I just feel honored to be a part of that, that prestigious list. Questions for Coach now? Yeah, Coach, um, Alex Stahar with the, with the Salt Lake Tribune. Um, I was hoping that we Alex, Alex, you always have the most comfortable seat, it looks like. Don't make jokes when everybody's on Ted Bond. Anyway, sorry. Uh, um, I, I'm curious to just kind of, if you can address the uh, the second half kind of thing. Is that, a, is from a coaching standpoint, is that, 
are the slow first halves a concern for you right now, or are you okay with it because you guys seem to find another gear in the second half, especially? Well, it's definitely, you know, it's always a concern when you're you're struggling. At the same time, I had we as a coaching staff, I think, had to take a step back. And you, you demand more um, out of your guys. At the same time, you you, you got to understand, like, I thought we competed hard. You know, listen, we've lost the three teams in league play, UNLV, Colorado State, and Boise State. And so these guys, these guys, you know, these guys were picked fourth in in the regular in the preseason for a reason. They're really talented. They're a good defensive team, and so they make it difficult on you. You know, their center is a uh, is a big time defensive player. They are long and athletic, and they cause some issues. And so at the same time. When you take a step a step back, I thought we, you know, Nimi missed some uncharacteristic shots early in that game, and then I thought he was just kind of playing a little fast, um, where uh, where he was making a move and his counter move was was wide open. Um, you know, Marco missed a couple of easy ones. He makes a you know he gets six offensive boards. I remember one of them he got. He was literally right on the basket. Nobody was in three feet of him, thought he could have just went up and scored, and we kick it out. And um, and Fonz missed a couple chip shots around the basket, and so I thought we got pretty good, and then we had some kind of some crazy turnovers, you know, where it's just like, what are we doing? And, and you know, we've gotten a lot better from that respect, and we just had to settle down and trust ourselves and go play basketball, and, and it helps. You know, you forget Brock Miller hasn't played in two weeks. And he hasn't done anything live except for four games in about a month or close to it. So it took him some time to settle in. You know what I mean? Like it takes a little time and, and, um, and it's hard to be realistic as a coach. But I just had to step back and say, okay, here's where we're at type of thing. And I, can't, I give our guys a ton of credit. We were able to self-correct, um, really settled in. Uh, and I thought we had all three phases going. You know, we defended really at a high level all night long and sometimes when your offense isn't going well teams will stop guarding as hard and I thought we made life difficult on those guys I mean those guys put a lot of pressure on you and I, I mean UNLV is a team but Caleb Grill sticks a what a 25 footer can when I think it was Brock was all over maybe it was Raleigh then he nails another one um, and David Jenkins had 33 on us you know a month ago and, and of course uh, Hamilton's an elite scorer and got four quick ones to start the game so is it a concern I mean it's always a concern at the same time it was exciting to see us figure some things out in hope Hopefully we can continue that momentum into tomorrow. Okay, there's the Aggies head coach, Craig Smith. When we come back, Joe Ingles is talking jazz. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. It is time to hear from the man, the myth, the legend, Joe Ingles. Joe joined us uh, late in yesterday's show. And as always, we want you people to hear all about NASCAR, all about Urson Ilyasova, and all about the All-Star break. Here's Joe Ingles on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hey, yeah! 
This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe to the cop, slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. <laughs> With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles. Joe, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, you had the all-star break. You had time with Renee and the kids. You got to put your feet up a little bit, mentally get away from hoops. So I just wondered if you're feeling good after all of that. Refreshed, revitalized, ready to go. Yeah, I mean, it's. I went in and uh, worked out yesterday and Dennis was there and asked how I felt. And I was like, if we could have all-star break like once a month, I'd be, I'd be able to play forever. So, um, no, it's, it's obviously nice to um, probably kind of get away for a little bit, spend some time with the family. Like I said um, last week, I felt like uh, Jack's three months now and I feel like I um, have barely seen him or spent any time with him. So just to, to be with Renee and the kids and, and hang out a little bit and, um, yeah, like I said, kind of, kind of switch off for a minute. So for you, uh, being 33 years of age, what's more important, a physical or mental rest? Uh, probably both. <laughs> um, uh, I think, like I've said before, I, I know my body obviously now and, and kind of what I need to do and, and what I don't need to do when I need to take a break or whatever. And um, uh, I think just the, the schedule we've got and with, with everything else in place with the, the testing and all that, that that goes on this year, mentally it has been a, a bit more draining. Um, we've been testing all over the place on the road we have to test at like 11 12 o'clock at night as the last test when we're at home we have to drive back in the, the evening and test every night and so just the, the obviously it's, um there's a there's a lot a lot worse going on in the world but but obviously for us it's, it's a bit different so yeah just a a nice break from from both of them um still went into the the gym we stayed in utah the whole time so still went into the gym a couple of times and We've got some, some lifts in and some workouts and some shots up and stuff. So um, first practice back tonight. Um, so, yeah, we'll be, be ready to go. So do you have one hard practice, break a sweat, go five on five, go at it a little bit to really get back into it? Or you're veterans and that would be a waste of time and energy and Quinn would never do that. How does that work? No, nah, well, I – well – I don't know uh, what Quinn's thinking most of the time, but um, I would I would say we would do something kind of pretty intense tonight just to get after a little bit. I think having a, a more veteran team, I think guys know what they needed to do during the break to, to stay ready um, and to be ready for, for Friday. Um, but uh, I think regardless of what everyone was doing, still to get to, together on the court, play some 5-on-5, five five, actually get up and down a little bit, I think it would be, be good for our group. So we, we've done that every every time um, since I've been here for, for Quinn's seven years. So I assume we would do something, um, obviously, as a team. We'll get some shots up, probably get a little a lift in, get a sweat up, like you said, get up and down a little bit and um, get into some recovery before, obviously, playing tomorrow. 
So going forward here, man, you guys got a slew of games. I mean, you, for the next three weeks at least, and I haven't looked beyond that, you got four games each of those three weeks apiece. Uh, how is it going to be physically, that veteran ball club, to make sure that you guys can find some ways to stay fresh? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously as a as a player in the team, as a competitor, you, you, want, you want to be out there as much as possible um, and, and play as much as possible. Um, I think the benefit of our group is is the depth we've got and, and obviously adding Urson, Urson as well. Um, we're, we're a deep team, so I feel like there's, there's probably times that, that Quinn will, I don't know if he'll rest guys or, or what will happen, but um, yeah, just just be smart with it because obviously we've we've started off well. We've we've got a good record at the moment and all that, but we we obviously need to keep it going. But we flip side of that, we we need to be fresh and kind of ready for the playoffs too. So uh, you, we we obviously still want to win games and and be playing the right way, the way we want to play. But um, I have no doubt at some point guys will be in and out a little bit. Obviously, there's there's injuries and and all that as well. So. Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll be smart about it. And we've got a, a great uh, performance healthcare team that'll that'll kind of be on top of that, and we'll, we'll figure it out as we go. But uh, I think as a as a player, you want to be out there as much as you can. You mentioned the performance healthcare team, and uh, that involves a lot of people doing a lot of different things. I don't think fans know how complete and thorough a team that is. Part of that, um, the massage therapy you go, you go through, and a guy I only knew a little bit, but he was always really nice to talk to, and a guy you knew really well, Doug Brell passed away during this uh, All-Star break. He's only 51, and I understand he had cancer and all that. And we just see from how many guys, not just current players, but former players, uh, were on social media. That, that hit everybody pretty hard, didn't it? Yeah, it was uh, obviously. Oh, it's, I mean, it's tough to, to talk about because it's so fresh and, and new. Um, but yeah, he, he was battling cancer for a little while and um, got himself back and, and ready for the, the bubble. Which I think for for him now, I know kind of what's happened this this past few days. I, I think the bubble experience for him um, would have been something really special just to be with our group and he. He did have to battle back just to be healthy enough to come to that. So I think for for him to to get that experience um, with, with our group, and like you said, he, he was he was such a big part of our group. He was kind of that glue guy off the court. I, I would say he, he'd been here for for 21 years with the Jazz. Um, I think three or four years before that with just Carl and and John, who hired him as a as a private massage therapist, and then he got brought on with the Jazz in '99, I think. So. Um, unbelievable guy um, which I mean as long as I'm here and I, I think as long as anyone that's a part of the Jazz I think they'll they'll always Doug, Doug will always be talked about everyone that ever plays for the Jazz from now on will we'll always know about him and um, yeah just a obviously extremely extremely sad day because I mean I was FaceTiming him a week ago or whatever it was talking to him and and no hints of of him feeling any worse or anything. Um, he would always be that that positive guy, no matter obviously how he was feeling. So um, walking into to his massage room will, will always will always be different now. Um, will always feel different. Um, but like I said, he'll. I mean, me personally, but I know the Jazz won't as well. He'll never be forgotten around here. 
um, it was a, a pretty integral part of, of our group. So um, sad day for for all of Jazz fans and obviously the inner inner sanctum that, that really knew him. Um, and obviously to, to Melissa, his wife, and his three daughters that will uh, will always be here to, to support her and and, her, and his girls and, and anything they need. So um, yeah, tough a tough week for, for for all of us. Have you had any interaction with uh, Ilya Silva along the way? Um, I did hear you knuckleheads talking about um, <laughs> someone asking a European if they knew him and. Figure that every European yeah. knows yeah, everybody. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I've I've been asked like, oh, you know, John from Australia, right? There's <laughs> twenty three million people in Australia. Like, no, I don't know John from Wollongong in Australia. Um, but no, I, I mean, I, I I've known, obviously known of him. I've kind of brief interactions um, with him. Uh, we. We both played for, for Barcelona for a little bit there, not together, but so there's, there's a little bit of that. But um, yeah, obviously a, a good player that for, for whatever reason didn't didn't have a job up to now and did. I mean, I think what goes unnoticed a little bit is he he did have a fairly decent contract that was going to be guaranteed when he got traded to Sacramento for Bogdanovich and the trade fell through and then they needed. Milwaukee needed that money for other other guys. So, um, yeah, just a, a a really good fit for us, I think. You know, my wife uh, was in California and went to grad school in Chicago and literally got asked, so, <laughs> you were from California? She's from Montana. Do you know each other? Are you kidding me? Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, people on the East Coast, no idea. Uh, Joe, the other thing we need to ask you about is that uh, we couldn't help but notice in the middle of the All-Star break that you started a NASCAR race in Las Vegas and looked like you might have done it from an office in Utah. You a big NASCAR fan? What was going on there? (laughs) Um, It wasn't from anywhere in Utah. I actually did the video on the road one trip um, for... The Alaska for yeah for for the for the NASCAR race so um, yeah it was I mean it was something I probably never thought I'd do I didn't really know I, I the only thing I probably regret is I didn't watch any previous ent- ent- like video entries of how to how they started and there was obviously some much more passionate videos than mine <laughs> but I just didn't know it was something I'd uh, I never knew or never thought I'd do so I didn't really I. So I, I do regret that, not not kind of doing a bit more research. But, um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Um, I had a lot of messages about it, and, um, yeah, it was something, something cool to do. So one-year anniversary of everything coming to a halt when you guys were in OKC. You got any memories that you want to share? Um, I mean, it was, yeah, I don't know, pretty... I guess it's been a pretty crazy 12 months if you think about it. Um, we had probably just kind of, or we were probably heading to shoot around now, more or less, or during shoot around and figured we were going to be playing a regular game like we had for X amount of games before that. And um, yeah, and then obviously everything kind of happened. So um, I think the hardest, the hardest part, the saddest part is 
kind of how many people and businesses and individuals have, have lost jobs or, or companies and businesses have either shut down or, or lost a lot of business. And um, I was kind of joking and Renee was kind of laughing, but kind of upset. So like she, she literally hasn't left the house in 12 months. Like it's with obviously the NBA stuff and the protocols and then obviously three kids and, and prior to this being pregnant and all that um, she literally has not left the house for anything <laughs> like so um, they're, they're the parts I kind of think about that are, that obviously hurt and are, and are sad and um, yeah been a, it's been a crazy 12 months it's hopefully it's we're obviously in a lot better place now than where we were 12 months ago or, or 6 months ago so hopefully if the vaccine keeps it keeps calm and people keep doing that. People keep people keep being smart with with masks or whatever the the rules are. Hopefully soon we can uh, go back to some sort of normalcy and feel free again. That'd be good. I think you can get a lot of people to second that. Can you can you explain to people how different the NBA lifestyle is than it was a year ago? how much everything has changed for you guys? Because people see you playing the games without fans, but I don't know how much they know behind the scenes how different things are. Oh, it's, it's not. And it's almost, we were kind of joking with our rookies of like, you'll actually have to re- redo your rookie year next year because you know, <laughs> there's nothing they can they can do or we can do or we can't even make them do anything for us because there's nothing to do. So, um, no, it's... it's I, I, like you said, I, I think the crowd is the obvious one, which is still, it's still different. Like, I think the weirdest part is like, especially for for jazz fans or for for, the, for our team, we, I think we were one of the first to have fans. We upped our fans probably first as well. Um, so we are pretty used to kind of having fans in the arena. So when we go to other arenas and they don't, that's that's different for us because we're we're probably more used to it than a lot of other teams but um, yeah I mean obviously not a, a normal year we could I mean if you're at home you can obviously kind of do whatever you want we can go to restaurants we can go to Utah Utes games you can go to football games like whatever you want to do it's, it's normal living um, obviously now I don't even know exactly what the rules are but we're not allowed to really do anything with going out to eat in like an enclosed area so I think we could I think I had I, I don't even go out to eat so I haven't really read the rules but I think you can go out to eat if it's outdoors and you like six feet away from people um, on the road is probably the biggest changes um, just because you would normally fly into a city and guys would have family or friends or whoever the, the other team um, someone you know and, and go and catch up and have dinner or um I would go to see, go have dinner at Paddy Mills' house um, if we flew into San Antonio and vice versa. So literally on the road, we're, we're not allowed to leave our room. So if we order food, it has to be either room service or Uber Eats. Um, obviously can't do any, like, seeing any people. We, we test twice, sometimes three times in a day, depending on the time of the game. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's extremely different. It's not... Like, (laughs) there's a lot of times that we would land in a city and and I wouldn't see my teammates until a shoot-around. Guys have, like I said, family, friends, whatever it is, they might be from that city and go home for the night or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, really different. But, again, it kind of is what it is at this point until we figure out um, 
supply of that, more vaccines or the or whatever whatever the whatever the best way um, to be able to move forward. But um, yes, it's crazy, but it is what it is. I, I again, I can't complain. We can't complain. We we're still getting paid a stupid amount of money to to throw a basketball around, whether there's a thousand people in the gym, ten thousand, or, or no fans. So. Um, yeah, can't complain too much. So as you manage this boredom when you're on the road, has it maybe helped concentration in terms of basketball or not at all? I think you get a, a bit of both. It's um, Obviously, you can concentrate you more and all that because there's nothing to do. Also, the, the boredom, kind of the boredom part of it, like guys probably watching games more, overanalyzing performances more a little bit because... I know I used to do that a lot when, like, prior to Renee and the kids or when Renee would go home for the second half of the season, I would finish a game. And this was in Europe too, like, finish a game and then um, I would go home and if I'd played bad or whatever, I'd be watching the game and kind of be in my own head a little bit about what, what I've done wrong or what I what I need to do. Like, and you, for me, which I've... I mean, we've spoken about it before, but for me, like the best feeling is going home to Renee and the kids and trying to get to sleep as soon as possible or, or Renee telling me stories about what happened at dinner or bedtime with the kids or, or whatever and kind of completely, for, for me anyway, kind of zoning away from that. Um, uh, I think for me personally, it's it's been a big reason of, of my play and what I've been able to kind of just focus on when I'm in the gym, I'm I'm locked in and I'm all there. But then when I'm away from it, it's complete opposite. I don't think about basketball. I don't really talk about basketball. And um, so I think guys will be different. Some guys will, like I know Donovan is a massive basketball watcher. Like he, he will watch every game, college, NBA. He'll have three screens in his room watching different sports and all that. Where I watched Married at First Sight with Renee last night. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of COVID, we understand you have to go get tested, so we need to let you go. The machine marches on. The machine keeps grinding. It never blinks. It never sleeps, Joe. It did. We were testing the whole All-Star break. I'm currently sitting out the front of the practice facility where probably about 80% of our team is here about to get tested and then go home for the day and come back and practice tonight when we get our results. There you go. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for a window into your world. Congrats on your NASCAR debut. Next time you do it, you can just really start screaming and hollering. I know. If I, well, if I ever get an invite back, which I probably won't because I don't know how many fans, I'll, I think it was uh, someone did it the next day and they sent it. Someone tweeted it to me like, this is how it's supposed to be done. And he was like on the stage screaming. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh, if I ever get another chance. NASCAR, if you ever give me another chance, I promise it'll be better. Okay. All right, Joe, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingles on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines, college basketball tournaments, the Aggies, the Utes, the T-Birds, the Wildcats. We'll get to it all next. Stay with us.